Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, this is Anita and this is Black Menopause and Beyond. I've got here three, including myself, it's four, but three lovely ladies here to talk about menopause, midlife and beyond for one of my episodes. It's something new that I'm doing, it's quite different, um, where I will every few months get a group of women together and we'll talk about different topics and about the menopause and midlife. So first of all, I'd like you to introduce yourself. So Jennifer, if you could go first and just introduce yourself. Um, My name is Jennifer. I am a poet. I have my own book. It's called Work Life Balance. I also work for someone because there's no money in poetry. (laughs) No. And, uh, you know, I I call myself a menopausal Mary. Okay. (laughs) And Nina, if you would like to introduce yourself. Wow, how how can I follow that? (laughs) I'm Nina, um, co-founder of Black Women in Menopause with lovely Anita. And that's about it. I'm post-menopausal. And that's all I can remember (laughs) for now. And Leisha, are you there, Leisha? I am indeed. Good evening, everybody. Good evening. Um, I'm Leish. I'm in my mid-40s. embracing menopause actually really loving this part of my life I'm an apprentice engineer I also have my own business where I create stuff out of epoxy resin um spoken word poet actress um mentor and about to publish my own first book and just about to publish my second co-authored book Ooh, sounds very good. And this is Anita, and I am peri, hormonal, moody, and grumpy. Um, so I'm one of the seven dwarfs. In fact, all of them, to be honest with you. So that's oh. me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what I'm going to do? I'm just going to ask some questions to the team, um, and they're just going to tell us a bit about where. Well, some of us have already said where they are, where they are in their menopausal journey. So, where are you, Jennifer, and your? Um, well, in theory, I'm supposed to be coming on 
to the end, but I'm actually on hold. As um, if anybody had heard the podcast before, they know that I had the marina coil fitted, and it gave me five years of um, not losing loads and loads of um, sorry blood. I'm going to say it, and having huge blood clots and all kinds of things going on. So, um, and it's given me another five merry years at the moment. So I'm on menopause delay. Uh, it's on menopause pause button. <laughs> yeah. And the marina coil has done that then Because I, I hear yeah, the that has done, Yeah, the marina coil has done that The The biggest thing about the marina coil is is um, Yeah, it does what it says on the tin It does what it's supposed to I mean, for me, but it does not work for everyone Because I, when I used the marina coil before yeah. This was before I was perimenopause I, It didn't stop any of my periods um, And everyone said to me, I know on the marina coil, you won't get a period. And I, it it made my first few periods really heavy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then afterwards, it just went back to normal. So I I have chosen not to use the marina coil, but it works for you. Okay. It works for me. They never had a problem. And um, yeah, they've all disappeared up the wazoo. And I'm quite happy about that. Because listen, when you're carried out of your, I was carried out of my workplace and I worked in a very large educational establishment in Bedford. So you can probably guess where it was. And I was carried out of my workplace and I looked like a bullet wounded victim and taken oh, really? to the hospital. Yeah. That much and blood. The in the middle of the day, in the middle of the working day, where most of the time I'm very aware of I'm going to have a bleed, but it just, it literally. just surprised me. It just literally just out of nowhere. I'm in the middle of an office. I work with, um, I worked with a lot of women, you know, they were like, oh, it's only this. And I'm like, no, it ain't because it was just going through my clothes. It went through everything, you know, yeah. and I basically came out looking like I'd been, sh- I'd been shot in the stomach. <laughs> yeah. you know, she was not cool. And they basically had to hide me under blankets so I could actually leave the zone and not be totally embarrassed by it all. But Marina, the Marina coil has cleared all that. It's made a difference. Yeah, it, yeah, but the thing is, once it comes to the end, that that particular session had come to its end, and when it's come to the end, it's like it comes straight back, and there's there's no space. It'll, yeah. It's just back. It's like I'm back <laughs> with a vengeance, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I will probably have this one, this present one, removed early because yeah. I'm at that age now where I'm almost retired. Yeah. So when I get to that retirement, I will. It's it's gone because I can I think I could figure I can live at home without it. Those two, yeah. But for work reasons, yeah, it makes no sense. And what about you, Nina? Whereabouts are you in this wonderful journey? So I'm postmenopausal, and I have been for three years. And as Jennifer said, there I'm. Oh, sorry. Maybe not Jennifer. It might be. <laughs> <laughs> playing that menopausal card already is I'm enjoying this side of my life of not giving two fuzzy ducks about what's happening and things. Mm. But I think my journey originally, probably unaware of what was going on at the time and maybe because my background is in health exercise and nutrition that I was inadvertently proactive without knowing of masking some of the signs of perimenopause and menopause now postmenopause and my journey isn't over it's up and down I guess you I'm hanging on to a boy in the sea and it's swirling round depending mm-hmm. on many other factors that come and go so I'm dabbling secretly but not with HRT 
And that's been a journey within itself. And currently I'm happy on what I've got at the moment. So I'm taking Tostrin, which is a form of testosterone. Now on Oestrogel and Oestrogen, which is a pill that I do in the evening. So yeah, that seems to have helped my symptoms. But I'm the reason I say I, I dabbled in it in and out just because for me being postmenopausal, along comes a whole load of health conditions, and particularly in the black community where we're more prone to type two diabetes, coronary heart disease, etc. That not knowing about menopause, it just significantly increases your risk once you get to that stage in life and it's important to know and understand and what we can do being a geriatric mum to a 10 year old now I want to be able to do things with my son so yeah but as I said at the same time I am loving it because I don't or try and not give as many fuzzy ducks to certain things Mm -hmm. going on in in life (laughs) so that's me A young postmenopausal. <laughs> Thank in you, every sense. Thank you, Nina. And mm-hmm. Leash, what about you? Whereabouts are you in your menopause journey? So it's probably been, ooh, oh gosh, <laughs> three years coming up since I've had any form of cycle. I didn't go through the peri um, phase. I literally went from normality to it, everything just not being there one day and just kind of stopped forever. Um, so yeah, it was a bit of a weird one for me. I didn't know how to feel at first. A tad incomplete, I suppose, as a woman. And it was sort of the beginning of an end, but then a, another beginning. So yeah, being quite young, I suppose mid-40s is not sort of, you know, the ideal age. But for me, with the lifestyle that I'd lived, it was perfect. I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing in regards to my career or life itself if I still had to worry about that pain that I used to have and just that uncomfortableness and just the whole nightmare is what it was for me, to be quite honest with you. It was probably started at 10 and relieved when by the time I got to 40, 41, that it was kind of slowing down and stopping. You know, it was a bit irregular. There were other things going on with my health, so it was a bit weird. But yeah, once it kind of decided that it no longer wanted to happen and I just kind of realised that it was no longer there, it was just the word I use is liberating. Um, I wore white clothes for a whole year white sheets white towels white underwear everything was white because I've not been able to do that since the age of 10 and I'm still like that now to be quite honest with you I'm I love my body I love myself as a as a person and who I am and what I've been through it's this is literally the best time of my life I have not had so much clarity about who it is I am as a person what I'm supposed to be doing you know self-love self-care you know self-dating I just feel so complete. I don't feel as if I need anybody. It'd be nice to have that right person around, if you know what I mean. But I'm just at a stage in my life where I don't feel like I need anyone but me. I'm really loving and embracing the journey of who I am as a person. And I just felt like my monthly cycle was a hindrance, quite frankly. And now I don't have that hindrance in my life anymore. Wow. Thanks. Thanks for that. That's that, I, I, well, with me, I'm just peri. 
Um, and it's been really interesting listening to all three of your journeys because they're quite there's some similarities, but they're quite different. I mean, I'm I'm Perry and I'm I'm going through a stage where I'm not on anything and I'm gonna need to get to a point, I think, with my doctor that I have to be insistent with my doctor. My doctor keeps brushing off the conversation. Um, and I'm just really tired a lot and yeah, I've got, I'm suffering from a lot of tiredness and exhaustion um, with myself and I'm trying to alter my diet and do all kinds of different things and things like that. Um, but no, I think for me, it's one of those things where I think I'm, I'm definitely needing some medication, but I'm in a space where the doctors aren't that key. Um, as we know, that is the story a lot for a lot of um women who go to the you know go through the menopause so that's where I am but it's been really interesting listening to listen to your different responses now my next question is really and it's it resonates with what Leash has said around what's next so long-term plans old age plans because the menopause also signifies entering what I call the third stage of your life um mm. and for a lot of women that's how it feels like things change do you feel that you're entering a third stage of your life. I'm what me? <laughs> anyone? Anyone can respond. Um, I'll jump in there quickly. I'm not I on think... anything. Sorry, and I wouldn't call this my third stage because I don't know what stage one and stage two was in order to say that this is my third okay. stage. Um, I'm not a parent, so I don't know if that's part of stage two. Um, obviously, I was a girl but my girl turned into a woman very quickly at the age of 10. So did I just jump from stage one to stage three, you know, and leave, leave stage two out in between? But I refuse. And I've never been to a doctor about my menopause. I've never had it confirmed. I've never um, spoken to anybody about it unless it's another woman, you know, sort of thing. And I think the only time for me, I'm like, I'm so proud to talk about it because all I hear is women grumbling about how much their stomach hurts. And I kind of go, no, 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 no. Mine doesn't anymore. And kind of <laughs> really that. Not make them feel bad, but it just, I feel better that I, I don't have to go through that anymore. So yeah, for me, no, no medication, no doctors. I change my diet. I do more exercise. I sleep when my body says it needs sleep. I literally listen to my body now and I don't feel any form of guilt and I'm unapologetically sweating whenever I feel like it. And I let people know this is a hot flash. This is what it looks like. Excuse me if I'm naked, you know, and if they can't deal with it, then bye. Yeah. <laughs> This is it. You know what I mean? You know, um, with me, it's the memory. I find I have to write down things a lot more to remember them and to retain them. And I use a lot of different, um, you know, skills to make it work, basically, because my memory and yeah, also the brain frog. Yeah, because I have brain fog at the moment and it's lovely. (laughs) I'm a woman of many words and I, I know them and I can usually... Uh, put them all in a row but uh, when you have the brain fog this is what it sounds like mm. <laughs> so you say <laughs> you know um uh, future wise um i'm just going to keep going until whatever is on the the other end of this life on this plane um you know i'm i'm not worried or nervous i don't feel like i'm being left behind um uh, I keep up with the the young people thing. I'm, I keep up with the things that I love. You know, uh, I like music. Always keep up with the music. <laughs> you know, I like writing. Always keep up with the writing. You know, I like um, uh, speaking to people. And um, you know, I'm hoping that this will make this meeting here of us four will make people more honest about 
how they're feeling, especially not just with their with their family, because I have a family. I have adults in my household. Well, I don't now I have adults. One of my adults has left home. <laughs> right. So I have adults in my household. So, um, you know, and get them to understand what it's like. You know, and I have one of each. I have a son and a daughter. So my son sees my menopausal Mary ways and he's like, oh, mom, you forgot this. Oh, mom, you didn't do that. Oh, mom, did you remember this? Oh, mom. <laughs> you know, mm. it's like, by the way, I'm menopausal. So I'm not always going to remember absolutely everything known to man. Whereas I used to have a memory like a vice. So um, I do miss not having that vice like memory. And um, I, and sometimes I do put my memory to the wheel to to make sure that I do remember certain things and certain things happen when they're supposed to. However, um, I guess when I stop working um, for various people and things like that, then that will be the tell of, you know, how far my, you know, whether I'll still have that skill, whether I'll still use it, whether I'll get lazy about it and more relaxed. Who knows? I, I found myself having a brain fog moment this today when I was at work because someone asked me a simple sum and I couldn't work it out. Mm. And I have a, I have an accounting qualification. I have a degree, a business degree, which was highly mathematical. You can work out a simple sum. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, terrible when that happens. And it's bad. And I thought to myself, this is bad. But um, you know what? I know I know the answer to these sums and I know I can do this. And you know what? There's always the calculator if you, you know what I mean? Yeah. The thing called yeah. a calculator, and that's what it was invented for. Uh, you know, it's invented for men and menopausal Marys like me. I'm happy, I'm content. What can I say? <laughs> what, <laughs> <Loving that. laughs> what about you? What about you, Nina? What where were you in your what what your long-term plan? I mean, first of all, when I said three stages, I, I'm talking about the first stage is like your childhood. And then second stage, it's your adulthood, which is about finding a partner. If you want to have children, have children, buying your house, doing this and whatever. And I kind of sometimes feel that the menopause is when women sometimes are more focused on themselves rather than being part of a couple or or rearing children. Um, and it's more about their themselves. And that's why I call it the third stage. So Nina, where, what are your long-term plans? Do you think about things like that? Because you've got a 10-year-old child. So are you still kind of floating between two and three? It's difficult because for me, it's about longevity and the path that you take. So if I think back to when I was younger, did I really know what I was doing, where I was going, and the biological and physiological changes? Wasn't really aware of that then. And then as you float through your 20s, 30s, possibly into your 40s, me now heading into the 50s, probably still floating around on those particular changes. Though it's a hard one because it's up and down, Mm. I guess, for me of, well, what values and beliefs as you as you change and things come and go and cofactors that you look at you know one aging I didn't think much about aging when I was younger because it was never going to happen to me in that respect and then you kind of you get there and you see that odd gray hair and maybe a few whiskers on the chinny chin chin then I, I 
don't know. I just kind of float in the sea, just, you know, take it as it comes. And because I have been fortunate enough to understand about health and activity that maybe proactively prevented some symptoms or signs of menopause and yeah okay I'm a mum but that's not ultimately you know my number one number one I'll be honest is myself because if I fall apart then all the other like let's say see myself as the sun the mass all the other systems floating around me if I'm not fully functioning then they're affected Mm. if that makes sense I don't know if I've really answered the question, if I'm totally honest, because my That's okay. just gone. I know, this is it. I, was, I, I, I wondered about the cliffs around the alleys myself, so I couldn't say anything. Yeah, that's fine, because sometimes, you know, you don't have a plan. You don't have it. You just you just follow life as you go. But I just no. want to ask that, because some, yeah. some people, they're, 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 they've got this all plan. I mean, I know someone who's already um, organised um, her retirement home. She's going to move somewhere to Suffolk. She lives in Bedfordshire. So she's already oh. brought her retirement home. She's already worked out what hobbies and activities she's going to do. She's already worked out what year she's going to retire. She's really organised um, mm-hmm. with regards to the next stage of her life and everything. So I know some people really planned and then some people literally take take the day or week or month or year as it comes. Um yeah. Yeah, and and I just tried to. I'll be lucky if I can remember what I'm doing tomorrow, Anita. Never mind. In 10 years time Blimey The only thing I actually plan is The only thing I plan forward plan is finances Because I'm always watching what's happening with the roof And what needs to be paid and all the rest of it Yeah. But I don't really And I don't plan to say I have an idea of when I want to retire Mm. Um, uh, I'm not really Planning to say what I'm going to do When I retire But when I retire you know, I'm hoping I'll know by then. <laughs> you know, so I'm hoping by then I'll let you know what I want to do. Maybe I'll just want to sit and write all day. Who knows? I I have no idea. And I'll, I'll be the Jeffrey Archer and be producing books by the boatload. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Four thousand yes. hours, ten thousand words. <laughs> well, I'll read them. I'll read them. <laughs> so I've got another. And yeah, I sorry. think that it. It all depends, Anita, doesn't it? So like Jennifer saying there, like I still don't know what I want to do. So and that was when I was 15. So now 49, I still don't know. I think it really depends on each individual person, and the friend that you've got that's so organized. I just think I, I couldn't I couldn't live like that myself. You know, no, I like I- to have a little bit of excitement. And what happens if you fall off the plan? But what happens to her physically, emotionally, spiritually? I don't know. I was going to say, I'm a bit that organised person because my life has been a bit erratic. And then last year I changed careers. Mm. I became an apprentice and my brain had to work. I became a student again. It was something I'd never done before. So I'm the total opposite to the way you all feel. My brain is acutely aware of what's going on and I kind of want to, sometimes switch it off a little bit. I wouldn't mind a little bit of fog every now and then. No, you wouldn't. Yeah, and that's when I hear it, I'm like, no, actually, I'd prefer for my brain to be, it feels overactive at times, and I'm learning to control the activities. Um, But I think it's because I've learned, you know, I live on my own. I don't have a partner, so I'm now 
have like involved myself in stuff. So there's something to do of an evening. There's something to do on a weekend. So I've got this um, consistency is, mm. is what has helped me through this phase is the consistency. Definitely. Um, none of these women can relate to what I'm going through with my body because they're all not at this stage yet. So they're kind of looking at me as a bit of a beacon of hope and a bit of an example. So I've got a five year plan. I know what I want to be doing when I'm 50. I know where I want to be by the time I'm 50 as well. I've also got like my side hustles or my other businesses that I've kind of been slowly grafting away at in the background while, Mm. you know, acquiring my apprenticeship. So I feel as if I've been saying this for a little while. I feel as if I'm in reverse puberty. So yeah, that's the only way. Yes, reverse puberty. So when reverse puberty, puberty, love it. Yeah, things were growing and you know changing shape. And now I've got to this stage, they're not growing anymore, but they're still changing shape. And I literally smell like a sweaty teenager. Like it doesn't matter what deodorant, I've actually found something that works, but for two years it was a it was a battle of just going, why do I smell like I'm 15 again? And it was just, but yeah, as that that old saying, once a man, Mm. twice a child, I actually see I used to work in care. So I also see how the elderly revert back to being like adult babies you know, very baby-like, you're having to wear incontinence pants and assistance being fed and you can't walk as stably and that sort of thing. So we do revert back to being babies. So I just feel that this is my puberty, reverse puberty stage. And I haven't quite got back to like, you know, the preteen bit. And then you go back, you know, sort of thing as you start to lose your faculties. Hopefully my brain is one of the faculties I keep and some of the other functions as well. But, you know, I, I yeah, I can just I'm just so the opposite. I'm literally feel as if I'm hyperactive. You know, my sleeping pattern is literally, you know, from 10 till 6. I don't even need an alarm clock. And it's it's just so organized and very structured. I don't like to use the word organized. It's structured. That's mm-hmm. the word I like to use for my life. I'm very structured. And um, I like that stability um, of knowing what I'm doing next. Because that's mm-hmm. what keeps my brain functioning, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not having that cloud or not allowing myself to delve into it. Because once I'm in there, I don't think I'll ever get out. I don't think I'll find my way out. I'll be like, where am I? What am I doing here? <laughs> yeah, go too far down the rabbit hole. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. you're right. Pos- yeah. Positivity as well. That plays a huge part into how you how you view it. And as you said there, it, the whole life cycle. I have the same point of view. It's, it's reverse puberty. You start off life, you can't do shit, pardon the French, and you end yeah. up at the end of your life cycle, you can't do shit. Can't do and shit. everything in between is what <laughs> you make of it. And I'm thinking now, yeah. like children, children can't remember things. So what? Are they brain fog as well? Well, they've got to write those things down. Yeah. Puberty like a hormonal change. So yeah, there are parts of the brain that have to shut down in order for them to grow taller or for the, for the boobs to keep in so there may be a part of the brain that has to you know temporarily not work as well for the other parts to for the other hormones to kick in so yeah we're just doing the opposite our hormones are kicking in so things are shutting down but in this in a different way where i think that we're we're giving ourselves time to reactivate other things that maybe we had forgotten that we liked or you know you know we're rediscovering ourselves as, as people you know as women in that respect that's how i see it. it's a definite it's a it's not an end of a beginning if you know what i mean it's the beginning of the end of something but it's a new start it's another chapter and you can add yeah. loads and loads of different pages to the rest of exactly. these it doesn't actually have to stop you don't get menopausal and all of a sudden your life stops your life doesn't oh god stop. no way it goes on yeah uh, definitely definitely not stopping my, yeah, my menopausal yeah. position forced me to change the way i was and um 
make massive changes to my diet, but yeah. it took a long time. I mean, we talk about 10, 15 years of making changes to my diet. And um, I didn't do the drug brute. Um, and the only reason I did the marina was out of desperation because I wanted to have a life. <laughs> you know, and that was out of desperation. But yeah, really and truly, it's, I think it's very important, um, very, very important to um, be able to realize that, you know, you are formulating a, a new lifestyle style at this age at this time well thanks for that response i'm, I'm gonna ask an, another question which is slightly change the subject how dare you change the subject well, it's still about the menopause but it's it's what i'm going to talk about now or ask you about is um do you think being black women being black has an impact on your menopause outcome so is your experience different because you're black yes Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I go to the doctor. You're a strong black woman. A little bit of blood is. You can't be losing that much. I'm like, yeah, really. <laughs> you should see my loo. It looks like a crime scene. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and we went on like that for years. My doctor and I went on like that for years until they until I changed another to another doctor with a surgery, a female doctor, and she said you could have this, and it'll all stop. And I was like. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and um, also when I had that female doctor, I decided to change. I, I stopped having a um, male um, gynecologist as well. I had female gynecologists and I would have female gynecologists only. And um, I started to take control and ownership of my own health care and say, actually, I do not want all these students staring at my wazoo. I would just like to have one trained doctor and let's move along. <laughs> you know, I like the zoo. <laughs> exactly. I didn't want to, you know, I didn't, want, I, I'm, I'm done with the experiment. I've been experimenting on since I was, you know what I mean? How many years back, you know, my menopause started as a teenager. I mean, really and truly, I just, I was like, you know what? It's time to take control of what's happening medical wise. They, they don't get it. They don't understand. And still, even in this, we're 2022 and they're men that don't have a, clue about the menopause they just live by what they've heard they have no information and so many relationships would do a lot better if they actually just went out and got a clue I mean you mentioned before about the doctor talk, said to you they mentioned that that thing that we stigmatized with the strong yeah, black yeah. woman yes. yeah <laughs> what, what, why do you think that is? Do you, do you think the fact they just because that to me is also a reflection of how they view us within the whole health sector and the wider community? It's not just how we're viewed because we're menopausal. It's that's how society views us as I'm, I blame. We don't, we don't I need help. Yeah. yeah, I know we don't need help. I put it on the on the blame on the um the first black woman that they have her entrails and everything still in the museum in France. Um, I can't return uh, her name, but they studied her because they said they couldn't understand why she had huge breasts and a big butt and a small waist. And and she looked so different from the Europeans. And they studied her like she was some kind of animal in a zoo. And this was a human being. And really and truly, uh, you know, I was... Sorry, I thought somebody could. Uh, yeah, I was just appalled. I think really, the, I, I think doctors don't see us as the fairer sex and being a bit weak and weepy and things. They just 
they just don't see that. They see these strong black women who have to strive and struggle all the way through life and they can do and deal with everything. So they just ignore us until we start, until we say we're going to call pals. <laughs> I'm going to email pals or I'm going to call this department and they're going to deal with you because and, and that's the only reason that I sort of, you know, yeah. you know, the doctor started to pay attention to me because I had to find out. It was for yourself, actually. I had to find out who to call yeah. and who to speak to and who yeah. to complain to. And um, yeah, I still have the gift of the English language. I'm still literate. So I can write a hard-nosed letter. So if anybody wants me to write them a letter about getting some help from their doctor, yeah. I'll be happy to do so. <laughs> <laughs> I, I find that we're either seen as strong, independent Black women or we're mm. seen as angry women. Mm. And, I so, and sometimes people don't understand that I think, you know, you may disagree, that there's a relationship with regards to the anger because we're not, we're not, we're not nurtured within society. No. So therefore you have to speak louder sometimes to get the, oh. the, the attention you need. You have to kind of say no, because people take you for granted. And because you don't, I feel that we don't live in a society that nurtures us, we're presumed to be the nurturer, that we sometimes have to vocalise how we feel um, to be valued. And even though we're not valued, mm. we're then dismissed because we're angry. So we're ignored because we don't need help. And then we're dismissed because we're angry. So yeah. that, that's that's my experience. And I know, Nina, you're struggling online, aren't you, Nina? Can you talk or, or do you need to go, Nina? Can you? No, it's just that I hear bits of the conversation and, and lose you all. So I heard about, was the question about strong black women and things like that that's a long society issue of portraying women as being all black women as strong and then we kind of we yeah. take that character ourselves thinking that we are strong and we're not and that we don't feel pain you know often black women were not taken seriously so we don't discuss things with who we go and see or what is presented in front of somebody what do they see really they see black then it's a woman and then maybe it's our issue that we have or obstacle or medical thing and then they're looking at that you know just the overall health outcomes of black people in general just so marginalized and mm. were not taken or were not studied to understand about these conditions like type 2 diabetes and we're talking about menopause and that has a, a huge influence on diabetes of HbA1c because of the reduction of estrogen but we're not taught this and about mm. having estrogen receptors all over the you know all the body and people saying oh well you know, it's the same. Well, it's not. The only difference or the similarity is, yes, we're, we're human. The biology to a certain extent is the same. But when you take into other biological factors like our hair, that's different. The skin, it's different. We are more prone to type 2 diabetes. So the biology isn't the same when you go deep into it on the surface level, the superficial level. It it is. It's assumption that we are all the same at the end yeah. of it. Yeah. yeah. And then there's that added discrimination on top of it, you know, and then that discrim discrimination in every area of our lives. And then it bleeds into and informs 
our experiences in the healthcare. So women aren't getting the care or black women aren't getting the care that they they need for certain things. And, you know, menopause and mental health, you know, one in four black people detained under the Mental Health Act. Mm. It's just, don't get me started. Pregnancy, the, the number of black women, I didn't even know until very recently about the number of black women that died in pregnancy, that, that you know, the babies have died. Pregnancy, they've died in pregnancy. I said, How does that happen? You know, and it's like, you know, they thought they were strong enough to be able to cope with all the pain, really? <laughs> just excuses. And, you know, I just, yeah, and as uh, appalled by it. I mean, the, the, the thing about, um, as Nina said, it's, it's, because Jennifer was talking about how doctors don't necessarily empathise and engage with our story. And Nina's also said as black women, once we're told we're strong, we feel as black women, we have to be strong. So we then take on that persona that's been forced onto us. And it's forced onto us starting from being a child, aren't we? We're told, basically the world tells us to grow up and get on with it. I mean, Mm -hmm. Leash, how do you feel about this? Is your experience similar? Now, my experience with this service is as... Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Such. Um, we're not particularly pleasant. Um, I've not sort of done anything about it because um, I didn't really wasn't able to sort of utilize all of the information at the time dealing with the, the health issue, but then not getting the support help or whatever it is that I needed to actually help me get better. So it was just an ongoing cycle for me for many, many years. And hence why now um, I don't can't even remember the last time I actually saw a doctor or a dentist. I've recently been to an optician, but I will not go to a doctor um, for anything. I won't go to a GP, especially. Um, started to use the words of the English language very, very carefully when I realised that they were general practitioners. Well, I don't want anybody generally practising anything on me in any way, shape or form. I've been enough of a guinea pig for 40 odd years um, through different vaccinations and things they've given us. You know, not through choice because my parents thought they were doing the right thing. So as an adult, if I've kind of sort of had to question 
a lot of the decisions that were made because they trusted a healthcare service. And I haven't felt as if that actually benefited me in any way, shape or form. But being able to prove that is probably very difficult. So again, like you've all said, unfortunately, I have had to be that strong black woman and just get over it and, and mm-hmm. live the rest of my life because I can fight a fight with them that I'm I'm never going to win. And when I say win, there's no a, a, you know amount of monetary value that they can place on how I feel and what I've been through. And I would find it quite insulting if they came to me with a number and said, right, we will give you this um, as a form of compensation because mm. there's, there's nothing they could actually say or do that will compensate me for what I've been through and how I had to live. And like I said, my mental health, whew, let's not even go there. But the fact that I'm still here in, you know, enabled to, to talk to the three of you is a blessing within itself because that could be so different with the way I felt and things that I did, which I won't talk about because they're very sort of, you know, triggering in that respect. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I maybe would not have been here full stop if I hadn't have found a way to find myself and find a reason to be here because mm-hmm. they did nothing to actually give me a reason to actually want to live. And just on the back of that, I find that the systems that are in place in regards to infertility or, you know, struggling to conceive, miscarriage, you know, stillborn, all that sort of stuff, all of that is dictated by men. Yeah. Um, If you need IVF, there needs to be a man in your life. If you want to do check certain things on your own body as a woman, they keep asking for sperm donations. And it's like, the, the, the sperm's not an issue. I'm the problem. It's me. It's my body. Stop asking about outside entities. Please ask me about me. Please investigate me. I am here. I am single. I don't need to be married to, to go through certain steps. Do you see what I'm saying? And, that was, and that's where they put these obstacles and these hurdles that make you kind of want to give the finger to the system and just walk away, even if you're dying. Because if you're making it this difficult for me to actually get help in order to to find out what's wrong with me and you keep asking me about outside entities I'm, I'm never coming back here and that's that's basically what happened yeah seeing counsellors who were ill-equipped um, to even speak to a black woman let alone deal with what I was dealing with you know how can you be going for counselling for infertility and you know traumatic childhood experiences and they send you into a counselling session and the counsellor's pregnant for example is like were they actually trying to help me take my life do you know what I mean like it's like what yeah I get kind of about that kind of conversation but then I have to just let it go and realize that you you had to potentially go through all of that for a reason somewhere along the line something I say is going to change somebody's life especially a woman who Mm. felt the way that I felt who who knows her body who knows that something's not quite right and will listen to this and then push and keep pushing and don't give up I eventually just got to the stage where I didn't have any support around me, um, not family-wise. It's not like my mum was encouraging me to have a baby. Do you know what I mean? In that sense, because mm-hmm. it was a very delicate topic for one of a better situation, you know, converse, you know. And yeah, going to these appointments on your own, it it reinforces their thoughts about black women, about that strength that we have. If I'd have gone there with my mum, my aunt, my grandma, you know, a, a, like a network, they would have mm-hmm. seen a different entity of, of black women. But because I fronted it on my own, they assumed I was strong enough to carry everything and deal with it all. And I think that's what it is, is that we now need to support women, like physically, when they are going to these appointments, we shouldn't be allowing women to go to certain places on their own. 
We know that the police aren't really there to protect us in, in, in another conversation. But mm-hmm. I think that we now need to create these support networks, not just for menopausal women, but for women who are going for their first baby, for example. Um, you know, yeah. are they getting the care? You know, women who are postnatal, are they getting the care? We need to now implement these structures in order to support mm-hmm. women throughout their whole journey, stages one, two and three. So I do mentoring with stage one. Um, I'm not really equipped to deal with stage two, just not being a mother myself. But I feel that there needs to be specifically predominantly black women run courses and workshops and seminars and gatherings, especially for new mums. So there are mums groups, but I think we need our own like um, doulas, for example, to come in and help on a level that we um, resonate with and, and we our, our body language, our, our DNA understands that communication rather than this very medical, scientific kind of thing they keep implementing. We need more of a natural language and a natural touch and a natural being spiritually um, mm. in our lives in order to appreciate these different journeys we go on throughout our lives as women and not being scared to have these conversations, speak about them, the pain, the you know all the different levels of things that we go through but I think we need to embody ourselves and stop competing to tell our stories and help each other complete each other's journeys and stories because that's the only way we're going to move forward and the listeners listening if you've listened to Leash on her experience of going through the childless menopause you know she's covered some of the topics she's covered now if you want to hear a bit more details with regards to her story and her story is really powerful as you can imagine then if you go back to some of the podcasts you'll hear her her full story which I really am privileged that she shared with me but you've brought up quite a few different topics just now with regards to you know mental health and and all the struggles that we have because one of the reasons why I think black women struggle is because we're tired of struggling you know (laughs) (laughs) you know some people you know when it comes along we've had decades of struggles decades of neglect and also one Mm -hmm. thing I I like to say as well and you may disagree with me you know but I'll put it out there I feel as the, the strong black woman syndrome is something that is within the black community and the wider community. I think that black men presume we're strong black women. I think that the wider community think we're strong black women. So I think we get it from every single corner. And I think that that is the problem because even our support systems say to us, sort yourself out, you're a black woman. What is wrong with you? <laughs> Yeah, we need to need to deconstruct it. Yeah. No, you're absolutely <laughs> right, Anita. We need to de- deconstruct it. Just as though we say boys shouldn't cry. Yeah. It's that's the stigma that we're we're setting and it's unrooting the rots mm-hmm. of statements like that and black don't crack and you know it signifies our spirit and all this shit and ultimately it has a negative effect on us yep. mentally physically emotionally spiritually financially all of it and what what is the term strong what does that even mean mm-hmm. yeah because it, it's strong as Lisa said there it's it's not just you know it's not just going to medical establishments pregnancy yeah. and menopause what about when you've got a skin issue and or your hair and you're told as I you, oh you've got such love thick hair such lovely thick hair you know WTF I I may have in your eyes but I'm concerned of this patch here and a healthcare professional incompetent conversation culturally to 
come back at me with a micro regret and you well you've got such lovely thick head of hair well guess what you've got lovely beep 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 <laughs> yeah but that is the other side of it you know embedding yeah. cultural competent conversations is a good is a good place to start and you've got no guidelines for any and then use and see, you've got me off on my, you've got me on my white horse now. Yeah, don't worry, Nina. It's not um, funny. Yeah. yeah. You know, and acronyms like BAME, you know, it's just so demoralizing. It's, it's disrespectful, and, yeah. Yeah. And another thing you mentioned PSC as well. Can't stop cussing. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing which has kind of come up, um, I think mainly um, Leisha said it, it's it's men and menopause. Now, I know with my experience, I'm, I'm single and I'm just not interested. Has going through what you're going through had an impact on romantic or friendship or work colleagues, colleagues or whatever? Has it had an impact on you? Well, I've been, I wouldn't even use the word single. I've chosen to not be in a relationship and it's been about a decade now. Um, I've had a couple of intimate moments here and there in the, at the beginning, but I've actually been celibate going on four years now, um, just through choice. And as I continued on that journey, I realized how much I actually liked it. Um, and that um, I'm, I'm, my mum is scared for me because she's like, you're going to be alone for the rest of your life. And however, that doesn't scare me. That kind of enthr- in, you know, enthralls me and thrills me. It gives me a sense of excitement and adventure about my life. I don't even call myself an independent woman because from the moment they cut the umbilical cord, I was breathing on my own. So I was independent. Um, so everything thereafter is living. So I don't even use that term to describe myself. You know, I independently work and pay my bills. Well, yeah, that's life you know I independently buy my food and cook it that's life everybody mm-hmm. should be doing that that's that's independence you know so yeah I'm not an independent woman um I've learned to do stuff and like I said I'm doing engineering and my dad's a mechanic and things like that so I've kind of had men fill in these blanks for me where a man could be useful but now I can do it for myself you know I'm very competent with drills and DIY and stuff like that and wallpaper and decorated so going forward I am way too happy within my life at the moment and to be honest with you if if the man is not adding something somewhere some sort of value because he can't love me as much as I love myself so I don't even want anybody yeah to tell me oh but he can love you more because he'll never love me how much I love me he can't provide yeah he can't provide because I've been providing for myself so what are you actually bringing to the table that I have gone and chopped down the tree built myself and put food on it for myself for the x amount of years what are you what what would you like to offer what is there as an attraction and appeal for me to want you in my space around me to share my brain share my thoughts share my emotions you've got to be really special now to actually get in because I'm so in touch with who it is that I am I don't need it to be tainted or hindered or held back or overshadowed I will shine my own light on me and if the person around me doesn't like that then find somebody else to go and be with because there's plenty of efficiency I've got got a question for you Leish We're we're just been talking about strong black women, but just now you sound like a really strong black woman. You see, but there's strength. You see, but yeah, but you see, she's just living a life, though, Anita. She's being what she wants to be. You see, like, so when we use the word taken the decision to do what she wants to do, but you see, when we use that word, she's just being who she is. 
Yeah, as opposed to being weak, because that's the opposite of being He's strong. Empowered. Yeah, I'm just living. I'm doing my thing. I relied on other people. I relied on doctors. I've relied on men. I've relied on other people to fulfill areas of my life that they didn't do what they were supposed to do. So why am I now, after learning all those harsh lessons, going to continue to try to rely on people? My motto for 2022 is DIY. Do it your damn self. Literally, like, I'm not waiting on anybody to offer their services or to help me do something. I will figure it out. I will learn how to do it. I will master it. And then that's something else I can add to my list of achievements in life. I'm not waiting around 45 years of waiting, you know, 50, 25 years waiting to have a baby for someone to then tell me, oh, menopause. I'm not doing that again. That was soul destroying. Do you know, do you know what I mean? Like literally, I w- I've been a broken person for as long as I can remember from childhood, the things that I've been through. I am no, I found all the pieces and I call myself a smelly little onion, but I love the pieces of my puzzle that I found and I've put them all together and it has made me this beautiful person that I am today with or without a menstrual cycle with or without a child I have got the best heart and the best energy and I don't wish bad for anybody what mm. I do unto others as I do would do unto myself and that's how I'm, I, I'm living and if, if if you can't live by that same kind of ethos or moral kind of you know compass then you just simply just don't need to be around me I've just got to that stage where I'm quite happy to stick a finger up to the world and move on with or without people because they're not giving me breath they are not you know that's that's all on me so mm-hmm. that's how I'm living on me I think, I think using the word strong that's what we need to just flip the script on it's just yeah. another word yeah. it's, it's living a life the way you want to live it and I think we should describe ourselves as loving black women because we are the nurturers of this earth yeah first woman yeah the creator of all things thereafter we are loving women regardless of our skin color we need to think of ourselves as being more nurturing because that would then change the attitude of black men. I'm not saying being weak and being forgiving and letting them do whatever it is, but there's a level of nurturing that we can give to our males and our boys that they are not getting from us. And I'm not talking about hugging them up and kissing them up. And, oh, you're my baby. Mush, mush, mush. No, there's, there's a no. different <laughs> level of nurturing. Yeah, please look at that word. It's about food. It's about what you feed that child in all different ways, whether it be books, whether it's TV, what you show them as a woman they are feeding off of that so every part of everything is nurturing and I I look at myself in that way because I'm an auntie to nephews so I know everything that I'm doing they're mixed race as well dual heritage so everything I'm doing as a black woman compared to their mum who is not a black woman they are watching and they are learning as to how black women are so I have to be a very very kind of you know strong spine to kind of bear the weight of that in comparison to what they see as their mum Okay, so I've got a couple of things in response. Okay, because that's what a leader does. Because <laughs> this is one of the things I find that black women are perceived as being nurturers, which we are. I'm not. I'm not disagreeing. Um, yeah. But sometimes, sometimes I feel that we're we're told that we should love, but we're told or that we don't need to be loved. Do you mm. think that I'm wrong? No, it's not about that. We don't need to be loved. We are starting to choose how we want to be loved and we make choices on how we give love. And I have always felt that men have not evolved enough, you know, and I'll probably get into trouble for saying this because we've had to do certain things through our history and our mothers, 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 mothers have had to make certain things happen um, just to ensure that we had a future because we were all, we've always been the second sex. 
And I feel that I'm going to be the second sex until I fall. <laughs> in there, in a man's eyes, I was always, I will always be the lesser person. But I know who I am, and I know what I'm capable of, and I know my history, and I know the history of the great black women who have come before us and made it happen. So at the end of the day, you know, they, <laughs> I just don't think they're. That's why I said they need to learn and listen. And you know, black men need to learn and to listen more. They're they're taught how to be men by men. And at certain stages, they don't want to listen to their mothers anymore because it's not manly, mm. but they should because they would know more. Okay. So I'm going to come out with another statement in response to what you said. I sometimes think, and I, as I said, this is my opinion, so this could be wrong. That sometimes mm. I feel as part of racism that there is what's called intersectional racism, which is combined with sexism. And I think it happens on both sides. I think black men are seen a certain way, and I think black women are seen a certain way. And it's all connected to racism and their gender comes into it because black men are seen because they're, you know, in a certain way, aren't they? Mm -hmm. Um, So, um, But I sometimes feel that black men have adopted the racism of the wider community towards black women. Do you think I'm wrong? Um... Yes, because they have expectations of us, whereby they want us to be, um, you know, it's that word um, that Lisa used, nurturing. And uh, if you ever looked up in a dictionary what nurturing means, exactly what she said, <laughs> she would totally understand that nurturing was nothing to do with being, you know, being, uh, you know, you know, suckling on your, you, you know, your mother's um, breast and um, have been fed and all the rest of it. That's not nurturing. <laughs> you know, nurturing is of the spirit. It's of the, it's a body, it's the mind, and being able to um, encourage you to do better as a person. And that would be true nurturing, encouraging positivity. You know, um, my <laughs> um, husband, God rest his soul, one thing he used to say to us all is like, negative can never conquer positive. You know, he used to say that all the time. And, um, and I think it's important to us to be more positive to each other as men and women and not just be there condemning, you know, their pains, she's a pain, blah, blah, blah. Be positive. You know, you'll get a better outcome. You know, you'll live longer. (laughs) You know, you'll be nicer. You'll be happier. You know, you know how long happy people live? Long. (laughs) You know what I mean? And and when them pass, them dead happy. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean... In regards to your question slash statement sort of thing, I don't personally experience black men being sort of derogatory or discriminatory towards me. And I think maybe because I'm what you would call an old school tomboy, because that word has somehow disappeared and turned into lots of other words. Do you know what I mean? If that's so, I'm I I've got more male friends or had more male friends growing up than I have female friends. But growing up, sort of thing is slightly shifted now. But I find the quality of man or the type of man that I now know is different as well. Um, I've aligned myself with you know like business owners, and so there's a different conversation that I'm having with these men that is showing that they are listening. And what I have asked a lot of my male friends is that are they scared of us like you know don't be scared to answer the question because I'm not going to be offended personally by the answer I'm just really interested to hear your answer to that particular perspective coming from me and a lot of them have actually trusted me and said yeah they are they're actually scared of us because of how we have moved over the last 
two to three decades in regards to our education. Um, we've become more financially stable, like it's that word independent, if you want to use that word. They feel as if it was supposed to be a relay where we hand the baton, but they feel as if we were the Jamaican relay team as women and we just take the baton and God, and they were literally just <laughs> left <laughs> They've been left in the dust. You know, that's the only way to describe it. If we were going to be an all-star basketball team, we're winning. Do, do you know what I mean? We're that kind of, we've been, we've trained ourselves, you know, because society has dictated that we we do that, unfortunately, which is emasculated men. And now we're seeing the opposite, um, all, all the, the result and the outcome of feminine men is the word that everyone's, you know, it seems to be a trendy thing at the moment, you know, mm-hmm. skinny jeans and frilly tops and lacy stuff. And I'm like, voila, na minute, me and you cannot spend more time fighting for mirror. You understand? <laughs> yeah. So I think that we've, gone kind of like the gender roles are skewed and the genders are skewed uh, and so everybody's kind of lost their place and I'm still a traditionalist if you want to look for a word to call it that I would still like a man to do what you'd call man stuff and for a woman to kind of do womanly stuff however if you're better at cooking than I am then the kitchen as a man is your domain if you're better at cleaning and folding sheets, then go on, go true. Are you a ting that? Because if I'm better at going outside and washing the car and doing the gardening, then I'm going to do that. Do, do you know what I'm saying? So I don't think it's just, mm. it's, it's about that compatibility with the, the, with the opposite, you know, gender, if you want to call it that. And knowing that they are valued, but also recognising my value. So I wouldn't say that there's racism towards us. I've experienced racism from a black man, um, which was interesting. But again, that was a cultural thing. So there are so many nuances that we deal with within the black community itself. I think that we have to learn each other's cultural differences and similarities, and then we can move forward because we speak a different language. Like men and women literally speak a different, we, we, we might all speak English, but what we interpret as our you know, dictionary definitions is not sometimes what they mean as their dictionary definitions. So once we actually start speaking the same language and conversating, um, not just chatting for chatting's sake, you know, yeah, then yeah. yeah, there's different levels. Mm. But again, you have to know self. You have to be mm. confident within self. You have to have a good self-esteem because people are going to knock you for who you are just because you're That's not right. compatible with that person. And you just move on. You've got to just move on. Like, you're not meant to hurt that person because they didn't like you. And because I think we're still dealing with a lot of past traumas from past relationships, things that are unhealed, we haven't spent time just, you know, getting to know ourselves, healing and not doing the comparison. I don't want to compare my last disaster of a relationship with the next person that I'm getting involved with. But what I will see are the red flags or the things that mm. made me a bit, you know, I didn't spot before that made things break down. So you mm. learn as to what you've been experiencing, but you've got to be receptive to something maybe slightly different. And, you know, but you've got to have things in common. Like I don't go to nightclubs to meet men, for example, because that's what I've done. Those relationships didn't work. So now I'm going to go to the theatre or the ballet or the opera. And I'm not sure if black men go there, but there might be one. And, but at least I know we've got something in common, you know, a gallery, a museum. I'm going to start putting myself in places where I want to meet the type of man who's interested in that stuff. I'm not interested in dance hall, so why was I going there? Do you know what I mean? So you have to, as a woman, yeah, you have to independently position yourself, if that makes sense, to 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 find what is potentially out there. Because if you don't really get out there to find it, you'll never know what is there and you'll just do the repetition. And none of us really want to do that unless we had a saint. It's that, and nur- it's that nurture yeah. again. 
Yeah. And condolences, Jennifer, um, just in regards to your husband, oh, in respect to your past. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, I do hear that stuff, you know. And again, I've heard another woman who had a husband who passed away, you know, and she says that she's done dating, but her husband treated her so good. It's very difficult for her to actually find it's anybody who good. treats her as well or even better. You know, so I totally get why women choose not to step back into that field if they've had somebody good because they don't want to taint it with something bad, you know. Yeah, so it's, it's a very slippery path. But love self first, self-care, date yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, you are somebody. You don't need somebody to take you to the cinema. Take, you know, it's not weird. It's, it's, no. And that's what I've realised about my... I, I met a lady the other day in... Um, I went to the theatre. I met a lady who'd come there on her own and um, she had a fabulous time, absolutely fabulous time, you know what I mean? And she'd come there on her own and she'd speak to people and she'd met lots of people along the way. She yeah. invited them to various other events that were going on. And um, yeah, she was a really interesting person. And, you know, I have her number and I, I rang her a couple of times and we had a chat. But she's, yeah, you know, it's it's an interesting life. I mean, uh, you know, I am in a relationship, but um, I do actually see that, you know, the other side can actually work as well. You don't actually have to be in a relationship. A relationship is not the in all and the, and the, and the everything, you know. Um, I'm quite happy with the person that I'm with, um, you know, but it, it is very difficult. It is very mm. difficult. You have to keep that, you know, balance and, you know, and bear in mind that the other person, and you know, I would think if my husband was here, I would never be in a relationship with anyone because that would have been it. With yourself definitely is, is, yeah. is very important because then, yeah. you know, if you know what you like, like I was going to mention love languages earlier when we were talking mm-hmm. about love. I think we all love differently. So you yeah. need to understand how the person you're going to love, how they're going to receive it or what things are going to make them feel loved. So once mm-hmm. we learn those basic levels is what I call it. It's like love 101. What what makes yeah. you tick? You know, what do you like or what do you see as love? And once you, you, you get that about the individual you're talking to, it then makes the steps going forward. Do I want to love the person that way? Am I able to, you know, yeah. and you, you can move forward. So, yeah, knowing how you like to be loved is, is part of, of it, you know. And if you like sitting in the bar for two hours on a Sunday, just because you've met somebody, he needs to know that you sit in the bath on a Sunday for two hours. Because mm-hmm. that's your that's your love language for yourself. That's your self-care. That's, that's who he's met. Why yeah. are you now going to change those things about yourself if that's who he fell in love with? Needless to Nina, how do you feel about the subject of men and menopause in any walk of your life, whether it's work, personal, romantic, family, brothers, fathers, anything? How do you feel, Nina? As what's been said, the first of all, it, it's I have to think about me because if I'm not functioning, then everything else around me isn't going to function very well and I'm not going to be in the space mentally, physically, emotionally to, to give and also to receive. So self-care for myself is hugely important. When you, I was giggling to myself when you said if you're lounging in the bath on a Sunday for an hour or two, you mm-hmm. know, sometimes that's just what you need. I'm happy to do that. And that's where I suppose when I say I don't give as many fuzzy ducks anymore because it, mm-hmm. it's what I want. It's what I need. It's not always about what other people may need. And I've got to keep myself happy, healthy and fit and if man's involved or not. then you have to respect those boundaries. It's like the water coming in and you've built a sandcastle type mm. of thing, I suppose. And 
<laughs> when I say that I'm menopausal, men kind of go, oh my gosh, right? And the career that I'm in, predominantly male, and three men that I know are currently going through a divorce because their wife is slap bang, menopausal, peri, whatever you want to call it, just off the chain of what they've said. And I feel it for the guys. I feel it for the women because obviously I'm kind of experiencing what they're going through in, you know, in that sense. But I actually mm-hmm. feel it for men because they, some of them actually just feel helpless. They don't know what to do. And this woman has done a complete 180, like switch, whoosh, like overnight just don't want you no more and they just don't you know they don't get it so I do believe you know a level of counselling needs to be special counselling for menopausal couples um because it can make or break a lot of marriages or relationships and like I said men now um talk to me about it more because I'm so open and Mm. like non-forgiving in regards to how I I am is is is, uh, why why should I feel ashamed of it and then a lot of them kind of go oh have you got children and then men actually show a level of empathy that I never ever thought I'd experience because women don't show it but men do they go oh that's that's a shame you would have been a great mum like oh like what happened you know they really are curious as to how I managed to get to this stage being this bright bubbly you know person that they see at work and you know oh you're going home to the kids later I like no going home to the husband no and they're like wow somebody is missing out on you 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 know what I mean you've got a beautiful heart you've got a beautiful soul you're a lovely person and they just become gentle with me in a way that I didn't expect you know not not gentle like helpless woman but just gentle emotionally they the, their level of sensitivity um increases after having a conversation with me and they walk away feeling I think slightly touched differently by a woman rather than with this negative nellies that we can be about all these moany Margaret's as I call us you know <laughs> yeah just sometimes to just meet someone who's not na- a nagging Nancy I've been there I've done that I know you guys don't like it sort of thing and just giving them a different energy it definitely changes the way they feel about going home to that menopausal woman or to their girlfriend in general or a woman their daughters you know it just gives them a, another level of that word nurturing and mm. and you know care you know just yeah now they go home and hug their daughters differently just because they kind of go girls need that you know when they hear that's one one of the things I miss my dad's alive but you know if I could get hold of him right now like don't say anything because you're gonna piss me off just give me a daddy hug please and then just go away whatever corner of the world you crawled out from you know sort of thing and that's all it is we just we just need that some of my male friends really know how to hug me where I feel secure nurtured safe I feel womanly I feel feminine I feel like there's just a hug can do so much and you know a non-sexual kind of way platonic but just sincere and loving and manly you know just genuine there's something that we need to remember those traits about each other this whole last two years has kept us all very distant and I would like us to embrace um our brothers you know and our sisters more and and be feel that heartbeat again because that is so important to have that connection that energy running between us again because once it's gone it's gone but we have to try and maintain that Mm -hmm. Mm. thank you very much I'm gonna call a close to the podcast because we've been over an hour (laughs) <laughs> um, we've still, I, I've got about 2,000 questions in my head But I'm going to leave it for the next time um, But I really, really appreciate everything that you've said I, I'm going to have one question actually Just one question 
Um, uh-huh. And the question is, if you could give advice to any woman going through the menopause that you've learned for your journey or something that's helped you, and it's just one sentence or one word, what would it be to any listener out there going through the menopause? Communicate. Okay. Communicate. Talk to your friends. Talk to your partner. Talk to your children. Make them aware of what you're going through. I, when I was having my major difficulties, my daughter was a teenager and I had to explain to her, this is what's going on now. And actually, I wasn't actually going to bleed out on the bathroom floor. <laughs> you know, I'm actually going to be, I'll actually live. But it, it's just not going to be a great journey from here on in for me. You know, so yeah, you need to make people aware of what the position is. Yeah, understanding exactly thoughtfulness oh thank you nina how about you understand the differences between biological aging and chronological aging to be aware and sharing each other's stories because they're powerful and i think a lot of people will learn through other people's stories Okay, thank you. And Leash? Uh, yeah, my my big word um, for all age groups is health over everything else. Like literally your whole body from the time you start growing boobs or things start happening, you know, as a youngster, that sister circle, your, you know, the, the, your adults, your elders, get as much information out of them as possible. Um, and don't rely on doctors per se, but yeah, just the way that your wom- your womanly bits work, all the different stuff, how it's all interconnected, your food. So yeah, health is is the big thing, and everything that comes underneath it, mental health, like I said, nutrition, exercise, financial health, everything needs to be focused for me. That's paramount around that word. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for your wise words and for sharing, because you know, sharing is caring. So thanks very much. Um, and it's been great talking to you. And I hope to have you back on again on different ones that we're going to do. This will be a regular thing every few months. So I'm hoping to have different topics and stuff like that and have you back. But well, thanks very much. Hi. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.